Orale, ¿qué pasó, gente? It's your boy, Steve Garcia, a.k.a. Belon, and you're tuned in to another episode of Chocast, uh, better known as uh, the Chicano Podcast. So, um, what's the deal? How y'all feeling um, politically out there? We, um, We're already uh, at the middle mark of uh, February 2020, so we're in this thing, man. This year, we're in this thing. We got a new presidential election coming up, and um, for y'all that um, have just started listening to the podcast, um, I've got I've got a lot of uh, topics that I cover here and uh, sometimes they alternate and change but uh, lately I've been pretty consistent um, you know with politics and um, there's a good reason for that I mean everything is political Um, I mean if you're 20 years old you need to be political if you're 30 years old 50 years old 80 years old 100 years old I don't care Uh, We need to start talking about our children. Um, Being in politics at an early age nowadays as well. We got to plant those seeds that this thing is not going away. Uh, Politics is... I mean, it's it's literally going to be the only thing that separates the uh, masses. Um... In the days that we're living. And, um, you know, you can do uh, research. You can look at the last 200 years. You can look at the last 250 years. But our legal system and our politics and our uh, people in power and um, the corporations... Um, that kind of guide those people in power uh, to the uh, to the light, so to speak, or the darkness, if you will. Um, these are all real issues that we need to really um, critically think about. We need to not only take those apart, those those ideas, but We need to uh, disseminate, like, what's really going on? Uh, What are they doing? How are they doing it? What do they mean? What does that legislation mean to your family? To your income? To your children's education, jobs, all those things. Uh, So, yeah, um, lately the the podcast has been very, uh, you know, political and for good reason. Um... Chicanos are not politically active. Um, You know, you can be um, whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. I don't care, you know, who listens to the podcast, but I don't do it for nobody except for us because there is a direct uh, benefit or there is a direct reflection 
on how we do as a people. That's going to affect me and you too. You know, we need to stop thinking that, you know, we're so independent that we don't need each other. We do need each other. We do need each other. I mean, I know how we've been raised. I know um, we're like, we're probably like the most, I wouldn't quite say like macho, right? You know, to like, you know, where we, you know, think that, you know, we're just so tough or whatever. But I mean, in a way, it kind of seems that way. You know, I mean, we, 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 we don't ever want to ask nobody for help. And I get that. You know what I mean? But asking your family for help shouldn't really be the same thing. You know, asking your people, uh, you know, to help your people, that shouldn't really be the same thing. And um, I'm just trying to uh, make a point that, you know, we really do need to, uh, you know, realize that we're powerful, uh, you know, like in a, in a, in, in like a flock, you know? And I mean, these things just need to be reiterated, man, over and over and over and over and over again, because for some reason we just don't get it. You know, we're not practicing it. You know, we want to be, I don't know, you know, as children, you know, we kind of grow up in high school and that's kind of where, I mean, I think they get us is putting us in schools with their their kids and tell us to learn everything that they teach us and everything that they teach us is how to be like them so of course you know our children want to be like the other little kids you know and then we get kind of triggered into that you know hey I want to be like them I want to be like them you know and then so you know you kind of go to work you kind of go to school you kind of get out of work and you know you want to get those jeans you want to get that I don't know, perfume, you want to get that drink, you want to get that car, everything that, you know, the rest of everybody else is doing. And I understand that. But the, you know, to get out of the weeds, what I'm saying is, is we need to just be like in a big picture, voting kind of like as a big picture, you know, having a a control over our means, you know, I mean, if you want to have the same car or same clothes, whatever, cool, whatever. But, I mean, we can't even afford it with some of the ways that they're, uh, you know, enacting legislation to, you know, have cops treat us differently. They could put you in the freaking morgue. You know, you can get killed. That cop is not going to treat you the same way as John Fitzgerald. You know what I'm saying? They're not going to treat your son the same as Bill Gates, you know, and I'm talking about any, anybody that looks that way with that kind of name gets pulled out of a car, you know, they treat them different, you know, they have different opportunities. Hell, they're uh, enacting a uh, new uh, law um, that uh, was uh, actually put in place uh, to help uh, you know, minorities with uh, getting bank loans. And now they're going to roll that back to where it makes it more discriminatory. There's a lot of things that are going on, uh, you know, politically. And um, it's like the the 
the people that are making these rules they're 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 expressing a backlash like they're expressing a real true like you know I don't like what's going on in the country right now whether that's our fault or whether it's not that's that's what they're saying they're saying that and they have the uh it's kind of like the sheep that are following the, the, you know, the, the master, the shepherd. And as shepherd is planting seeds in their heads, like this is the reason that, you know, you're uh, seeing change. This is the reason that these things are happening. This is the reason that if you're broke, this is the reason. That if you have problems, this is the reason. If you don't have a job, this is the reason why you're late on your mortgage or you're uh, seeing diversity or, you know, it's the liberals fault. It's the minorities fault. These are the things that these culprits at the pulpit these guys that have a bigger interest than even the people that they're talking to these sheep these people you know they call it i think right now like a populist movement you know you could do some more research on that they're um saying that you know it's pretty much the the um the majority um but they all kind of fall into like i think you know, a Republican profile that's, you know, getting older and they have seen a lot of changes over the last uh, 50 or 80 years. And that has a lot to do, I think, with, you know, the demographic changes that are happening, Uh, you know, the uh, non-white immigration, uh, you know, that's happening, Um, the uh, inflation uh, that's happening, the um, corporate takeovers of our uh, wealth status in the country. Those problems are because these elites are not paying the salaries. They're not paying the wages. They're not paying the insurance. They're not paying the taxes. You know, so of course you have another uh, segment, uh, you know, of society that sits there and looks at this analytically and says no this is not the immigrants fault this is not the uh fault of uh, the government um you know and some of the some of the ideas are just really hard to um to uh to understand or grasp or digest disseminate what have you i mean it's 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 a it's a complicated issue to where you know, you can, you know, put put a lot of the blame on the people that are in politics or government, because, I mean, our politics and our government is corrupted. You know, there's there's too many ways to um, change the laws in favor 
of the elite just by becoming a super donor to someone's campaign. You help me get elected, I will become a super donor. You know, I will donate millions. I will donate, you know, $100,000, you know, here, 200000 there, 900000 over here. Where do you want a million? You know, like, I mean, they've just got this unlimited amount of resources because they don't have to pay taxes. So now all that money that, you know, I mean, look at, look, look at somebody like, let's just say, uh, Bezos, right? After he got divorced, he's still worth 130 something, uh, billion dollars. Him and two other people have the same amount of wealth as half of the United States, which is less than a trillion dollars. And there's $21 trillion of wealth annually in the country. And half of the United States isn't even getting $1 trillion. You know, I mean, you do the math, that's less than, you know, 5%. So... They have all this money, and and, 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 and and when you look at who's paying all the taxes, if all the taxes are coming from the poor people at 15, 20, 25%, and these guys are paying limited to no taxes at all, you know, you, you, you look at $130 billion, and I mean, if you were to, you know, say tax that, Let's just say, um, let's, let's just throw out an easy number, like 10%, you know, just 10%. That'd be $13 billion. They can use less than freaking 10 or 20% of that just to lobby um, the House, the Senate, the Congress uh, to do whatever the fuck they want them to do just by being a super donor. They can give them, you know, hey, let me go ahead and give you uh, $1 billion. You know, of course they're going to do whatever they want to do. They're going to be like, you know, um, I need you to jump and I'm going to give you $1 billion to your campaign just to secure, uh, you know, you're going to, you know, get the election. That's what happened with Trump. A lot that that's actually what was happening with Hillary Clinton as well. But a lot of the people, you know, there was, um, you know, there was a split, um, you know, where a lot of people just didn't want to go uh, that route again. A lot of people went Republican. A lot of people, and 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 here's another thing: is that a lot of people are lying. Um, this is something that. I've noticed and nobody, nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about it. It's an observation. You can make it on your own. Do it, test it, check it out. If you don't think that it's true, 
Don't listen to my podcast anymore. I don't care. I'm just saying that I know that it's true because I've seen it with my own eyes with people, not only in my family, people that are my friends, people that I just meet. They, they don't have no reason to lie, but they will sit there and tell you that they don't know who they're voting for. They will not tell you they're voting for Donald Trump. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. You know, and I think that a lot of that has to do with just the comprehension level of um, a lot of folks out there. So if you're listening to the show, man, I appreciate it because, I mean, it's not like I need you to listen to the show. I'm saying that I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to sit there and want to become like a uh, better um, individual. And I mean, you can tell just from, you know, the dialogue, you know, whether, you know, I know as much as a, a, a scholar. No, I don't, you know, or like, you know, the number one, uh, you know, political analyzer in the world. No, I don't. I don't know all that. I just know enough to put it into a uh, context that makes sense to like what I think my audience should be. And if I feel like I need more information to back that up, I'll go research it. And believe me, I am becoming better for it. Just like I think that everybody else that takes that step becomes better for it. And um, I think that the conversations in the podcast and the episodes are going to get more and more and more interesting as we go. Um, you know, we're going to learn and grow together, but that needs to happen. That needs so desperately to happen in our community. And that's kind of, I guess, where, you know, I'm, 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 I'm uh, gaining my footing or my traction or whatever. You know, I'm kind of seeing the light at the end of the road. You know, this is this is something that's not going away. This is something that needs to get, you know, bigger. It needs to get better. It needs to get more. Um, aligned into our everyday lives you know i need to ingrain this um this thirst this hunger for political knowledge um so back 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 to these these uh these super packs or these uh super donors whatever you want to call them you know they're just a bunch of rich guys that are just bribing the shit out of the politicians. That's what it is. You know, it's like if a cop came, pulled you over, told you that you were speeding. He has a couple of options. You know, he can give you a ticket. If he thought that you were being, you know, reckless or whatever, you know, they can give you a warning. They just thought that it was an accident. Or they can just do their regular job and just say, you know what? I got to give him a ticket. And the guy turns around and says, look, man, I know you only make $60,000 a year. What if I gave you this amount of money to not charge me for whatever you were going to write that ticket for? And who knows what the consequences would have been to that guy. Maybe that would have been his 10th ticket. Maybe that would have been his final ticket before they take his license away. And he couldn't afford that. And I don't know. Maybe he had cocaine in the car. Maybe something 
was a consequence that was too great for him to want to go through that he'd rather give that cop a bribe. Now, if it's worth it to the cop, you can't tell me that there has not been bribery through cops. I'm sure there are many cops out there that have taken money to overlook something. And I'm not just talking about speeding tickets. I'm not just talking about uh, simple warrants. I'm just not talking about, uh, you know, patrolling a certain area that probably gets robbed. I'm sure that there's a lot of dirty cops out there that get paid for doing shit under the table. And that all is kind of like, you know, bribing somebody from doing your job. And that's exactly what's going on, uh, you know, with politics. There's no difference whatsoever. And it's, 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 it's fucked up to see it that way because that's exactly what's happening. These guys are paid to do a job. These guys are paid. Um, they're in there to be our checks and balances. They're in there to serve the Constitution. I shouldn't even say that they get paid to do it. But I mean, everybody has to live. Everybody has to have a salary. I don't think that they're supposed to make as much money as that they do. But they do. And that's supposed to, um, I think, avoid the situation that's happening right now. But they're all being bribed. That's, that's, that's there. And, um, well, we got issues. We got issues. You know, with our, uh, you know, political ecosphere, our political environment, our political um, habitat. You know. It's like we want to live in the rainforest. Like an animal wants to live, survive. These companies and these politicians, they're they're chopping down the rainforest and they're doing it. They're doing it pretty hard and they're doing it pretty fast. And 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 those laws and that legislation is supposed to hold that rainforest intact. As much as I don't like the founders, I mean that's kind of what they knew. They they knew inherently. It's not like they were brilliant. Um, They knew the powers that they were giving uh, to those three branches of government. And um, those were some of the protections that they kind of, you know, put in place uh, because they knew that, you know, they they, they can't control the they can't they can't control the um, the greed of human beings, if you will. You know, they knew that, you know. They had flaws and that they had, they had, uh, uh, probably seen some of their own, you know, getting bought off, you know, through, uh, you know, money and, um, systemic, um, issues from, uh, who knows, maybe Europe or France or Spain was trying to intervene with some of these bribes. 
<coughs> England, whatever. So, um, where I was going with this, uh, you know, particular episode was just to, you know, talk about these, um, these nationals, these nationalistic, uh, you know, ideas, uh, you know, that are, um, out there. And, um, so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about this, um, I don't know basically how to wrap my head around um, this new mainstream uh, conservatism. Um, A lot of people are saying that it's basically right nationalism. Um, However, I got I got a pretty good article that I kind of wanted to uh, touch on, Um, you know, maybe we can get something from it. Uh, but yeah, that's basically, uh, the name of the article. It just came out in, um, December of, um, 2019 on December the 2nd. Uh, let's see here. It is called. Mainstream conservative parties paved the way for far right nationalism so it's by um, Bart Bonikowski and Daniel Zablat by talking up ethnic nationalism but not delivering they opened up space for the radical right Supporters of Germany's alternative Fuhr Deutschland waved flags in front of the train station in Berlin on May the 22nd or May the 27th of 2018. The poster reads, No Islam in Germany. So apparently, you know, the Germans, they don't like them Islamics, man, them Islam people. They don't like them at all. And um, this is kind of, I think, where this article starts. Radical uh, radical right political parties such as Germany's alternative Führer, Deutschland, and Italy's Liga have been or have become endearing features of the political landscape and established democracies. This has received a lot of attention because these parties often promote anti-immigrant policies and assault the basic norms and rules of democracy. Hmm, sound a little like what's going on over here. Anyways, however, they present a real puzzle. Even where support for the parties has been growing, voters' views have not become more extreme. There is little evidence in most Western countries that people on average are becoming more racist, xenophobic, Or Islamophobic over time. So what's happening? What seems to be driving these parties support is increased salience of national beliefs among voters who identify their nation with the ethnic or racial identity of the majority group. Many people who have 
long been hostile to immigrants and minorities had not been voting based on these sentiments. They had other political priorities that mattered more to them in the past elections and over time, however, voters in many countries have begun to rank immigration one of the main policies or main policy areas associated with exclusionary nationalism. And as important on public opinion surveys, opinions on public surveys, more important, that's what they're saying, than other traditional areas of concern. So things are changing, Um, you know, and I've heard this before where uh, immigration has always been kind of like number three or four or five on a lot of these um, I guess they're calling uh, the um, the people majority, right? And we know who that, that, that piece of the pie is. The older um, white male that's, I think, like a baby boomer. I think that might be uh, kind of like a good profile fit for what they're calling the majority. Those guys have kind of voted, uh, you know, number four, number five, uh, you know, kind of below. But now immigration is kind of being the number one concern. And um, I think that's kind of where Donald Trump capitalized on some of the things that are going on in the world and looking at, uh, you know, Germany and the rest of Europe and how, you know, they're combating, uh, you know, immigration or how their hatefulness or hatred towards, uh, you know, that changing ethnicity uh, in their country is basically uh, like throwing jet fuel on a fire. If you start to talk about it, and that's exactly what's happening here in the United States. So this is a great article. I'm going to go ahead and start reading again. It says elsewhere, as in the United Kingdom before the Brexit referendum, immigration has also become linked to increasingly salient concerns about national sovereignty. There goes another word you want to watch out for sovereignty. That's one of the words that um, I'm seeing, uh, you know, dumbass Trump use uh, some of these uh, populists. Uh, you know, are using that word uh, to uh, basically, you know, say, hey, this is ours. And these immigrants are trying to come over here and take over uh, because they know, they know as Chicanos, as indigenous, as Native Americans, they know that our numbers are big. And they know that if they gave us a voice, if we had newspapers, if we had uh, TV, if we had ABC, CBS, NBC, these would be the same things that uh, we would be saying that this isn't your fucking land. You came from all these countries over there in Europe. How can you call us immigrants? You know, they know that they know that they know that. So that's why they're using words like sovereignty, you know. Anyways, let me get back to it. In short, voters appear to be increasingly motivated by what they perceive as affronts to their national identities. See, there you go again. National. That's what they see them. They want to see themselves as the identity of the Americas. They want to see themselves as the nationalists. That's why you're seeing white nationalism. That's why you're hearing sovereignty, you know, key in guys. You got to really just look at the dynamics of what's going on. You know, take this episode for whatever it's worth. Go check it out. Go ask the questions. Go do your research. Google it. Watch out. Watch Trump. And see what he says. You know, 
because you may be voting for Trump. You may actually not know that these are the ideas that these guys are talking about. And you're just going, yeah, yeah, rah, rah, I'm American. And you don't know what they're saying. You don't know what the fuck they mean when they're talking about this kind of stuff. And you're like, yeah, I'm American. And they're just looking at you like you're a fucking dumbass. You know, because we're going to vote against you. We're going to vote against your rights. We're going to vote against your people. And we're going to make sure that we control, you know, the jobs, the economy, the schools, the water, the resources, you know, get back to the article and get out of the weeds. Why are nationalist appeals and attitudes now more salient? Many researchers blame radical right politicians and media personalities. Here you go. Just like uh, fucking uh, Tucker Carlson. He's one of them. And that other little blonde, young, real. I don't know her fucking name, man. She's a little bitch. She's always, you know, talking about immigration. And they talk about it like they want to they fight. Ah, You know what I mean? They're, they're like sitting there on Fox News going, yeah, yeah. Like yelling. If you watch them, this, this is what this is saying. It says they blame the radical right politicians and media personalities for stirring up the anxieties of major group voters. You know, ooh, they're going to come for your jobs. They're going to come and rape your daughter. They're rapists. You know, they're nothing but rapists. Trump says these things. You have to be critical of the things that are coming out of their mouth. This is what these white people, these Republicans, these hate groups these far right people with these agendas, they are putting, planning these things in their head. I'm telling you, watch out, they are putting these things in their head. And if you're a Republican, shame on you for not being smart enough to know what you're doing. But at the same time, wake up, man. Wake up. We're all asleep at some point. But I know I wasn't that far asleep to go and vote for a fucking pendejo like Trump or, you know, go against, you know, what you know is inherently wrong. Locking up little babies, putting them in cages, letting them die, you know, and then you're a Christian on top of that. You go to church. Come on, man. Come on. Anyways, getting back to the article, you know. This is certainly understandable. Rapid social, economic, and cultural change have created ripe conditions for appeals to ethnic nationalism, populism, and authoritarianism. And radical right opinion makers have taken advantage. Watch out. They've taken advantage of the situation. I'm not changing any of the words. I'm reading it to you verbatim, just the way that it's coming out. Another thing that I've seen and I heard is that um, once that that um, that white uh, or whatever the the um, right wing nationalism, white nationalism, whatever you want to call it, once it's uh, been around for a while, once it's kind of festered long enough, like if let's just say for Trump, if he was in office for eight years. Well, he's already making claims that he's not going to leave. Like he thinks that the people want to keep him in there even after uh, the term limits. You think I'm lying. That's serious talk. You can look it up. I've already seen 
articles on, uh, you know, where he's kind of like hitting or they're, they're, they're hitting towards, um, the people not really wanting him to leave like these staunch, uh, supporters. And, uh, you know, maybe he can, I'll sit there and stay around, you know, change, you know, cause he doesn't really care about the constitution and all the declaration of independence and all the rules. He, he thinks that he can just rewrite everything. That's why he gave that piece of paper back to Pelosi and she ripped it up like, fuck, you know, you're just making your own rules anyways. You know, you're not going by anything. I don't, it doesn't even need to be here. She just ripped it up. Like, no, like she was basically telling everybody that that's basically what he told her because it was going to go in the garbage anyways. He's basically showing, she's just showing what he did. He doesn't care about the rules. He says there's no rule of law. The rule doesn't apply to him. He can stay in office for as long as he wants. But this is the point. The point is, is that they say in other countries where a lot of this is happening, this uh, right wing uh, nationalism, this uh, white nationalism, after it's been fostering for like so much time, it becomes authoritarianism. Kind of like over there in Venezuela. You know, that's what they're scared of happening uh, like in Bolivia. Not done with the article. Um, it was actually, this article is really good. You know, if you want to look it up, um, you know, and read it. Uh, but I'm, I'm reading the whole thing for you uh, word for word and giving you, um, you know, my insight on it. Uh, so going back to the article, however, a sole focus on the radical right misses the fact that the mainstream parties, too, have made exclusionary nationalist appeals long before the most recent electoral gains of extremist parties. For many years, traditional center right parties have relied on xenophobic language to mobilize voters in election time, both in Europe and in the United States, by reminding voters of the apparent threats posed to the nation by immigrants and minorities. See, this is something that like I think all white voters are aware of, whether they're on the left or the right, they're just saying that the right has really capitalized or taken advantage of uh, being able to emotionally um, mobilize, mo emotionally weaponize, uh, you know, these guys, you know, get them angry to go cast their vote, you know, for them. Because the rapists are going to get your daughter, you know. Because the immigrants are going to take your job or take your money or steal your house. You know, they don't live by any rules of law. You know, that's that's kind of what they 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 spew. You know, if you remember all the things that Trump said, it's kind of the way he did it. Anyways, getting back to the article, for example, leaders in Angela Merkel's Christian Democratic Union, the CDU, although firmly committed to democracy and notions of tolerance throughout the 1990s, found it strategically useful to repeat, we are not a country of immigration, quote unquote. We are not a country of immigration. Wow. This slogan became an article of faith for the party, the CDU and its Bavarian sister party, the Christian Social Union, often claimed to be protected traditional Christian culture against all external cultural threats. So they're going all the way right and saying, you know, hey, we're not, uh, you know, immigrants, uh, you know, because a lot of, uh, you know, our left people here are saying, hey, man, you know, we're immigrants, you know, like what, what, what are we, 
what are we acting like this for? You know, and I think that that's another thing that um, I've, I've heard before, too, is it's just these Republicans, they're willing to fight. They're willing to argue. They're willing to get angry. They're willing to, you know, go the whole nine uh, rounds where, you know, us more uh, left, Democratic, liberal, whatever. We're not we're not really built like that. We don't really want to have, uh, you know, these long uh, you know, fights, you know, we kind of let them win. And, um, that's what they're saying about that, right? Uh, Trump's people is that they'll stay on Facebook. They'll continue to argue. They'll continue to make those points because they know that they're being outnumbered. They have to win. And that's, 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 that's where we falter is we don't make a point of saying, Hey, no, this is immigration. You know, we are a country of immigrants. No, we're let's let's stay on point. We don't stay on topics. They will. You'll hear them say the same thing over and over and over and over again. Beat it like a drum. And sometimes it's wrong. But like on this particular point, this is a country of immigrants. Throw that in their face as much as possible. You know, when you're, uh, you know, because you'll beat them. You know, you can beat them as long as you analyze this um you know, this game, this tactic, this legal uh, war, we can beat them. You just got to be, you got to outsmart them. Anyways, let me read the rest. Yet center-right political parties throughout Europe often did not match their nationalistic rhetoric with actual policy, creating opportunities for the radical right. Wow, took the words right out of my mouth. As voters have become more worried about immigration, they have become more frustrated with the apparent inaction of the mainstream parties and have drifted towards radical right actors, actors who were more intensely ethno-nationalist. Wow, exactly what I was saying. In the 2018 German state elections, for example, the radical right AFD made previously unkept promises about the crackdowns on immigration a centerpiece of its campaign in the Bavarian countryside. One campaign poster explicitly proclaimed, we will do what the Christian Social Union CSU promises. In those rare instances, when these radical right politicians gain power, they appear to deliver on their exclusionary promises. President Trump's travel bans and family separation policies are case in point. Wow. So they're just basically saying, you know, you put me in office, I'm going to do that shit. I'm going to fucking do it. No matter what. Elect me and I'm going to fucking do it. I'm a radical right politician. You give me the power, I'm going to fucking do it. And they do it. That's what it's saying right here. Look at what Trump is doing with the travel bans. Look at the family separation point. The family separation policies. They are going to fucking beat that drum. Like I told you, they're going to beat it. Boom, 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 boom. Ha, 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 ha. Trump, suck it. You know, this is our country and they will go out there with their flags, man. I'm telling you, this is this is what it's coming down to. And articles commit. And that's why they're saying that they're ready to uh, uh, fight, you know, cause a whatever, you know, like a ruckus or some kind of fucking civil war and shit. Uh, in articles commissioned for the monkey cage, we examine how radical right parties capitalize on the growing salience of exclusionary 
nationalism. How this is shaping mainstream party messaging and how mainstream institutions are responding to the pieces are inspired by a 2018 academic conference organized by Harvard University's Weatherhead Center for International Affairs in Taliors, France. I don't know how you, you spell that. Uh, T-A-L-L-O-I-R-E-S. Taliores, France. The authors were asked to write about the causes and consequences of radical politics. They were not assigned specific topics for their conference presentations or the pieces featured in this series. Yet all the articles touch in one way or another on the points we have made here. They can be read as standalone contributions or pieces in the bigger puzzle of radical right success. In first article, Sherry Berman suggests immigration is becoming... Check this girl out. Check this lady out. Uh, Sherry Berman. Sherry Berman. If you take anything away from this or you like this article or you like this uh, particular episode, check her out. She has um, some YouTube videos. She's like, I think, a professor at um, some college. And uh, she teaches, I think... um, some kind of, I don't know, political science class um, or, or, or subject. And um, she's just, she's pretty interesting to see. Um, before I actually uh, read this article, um, I was uh, reading some of the stuff she puts out. And um, I was watching some of the videos that she put out. Uh, so it's kind of cool to see uh, her in this particular article because this is not uh, her article. But they're, they, they kind of touch on... A little thing right here in this little uh, paragraph. It says, in the first article of Sherry Berman suggests immigration is becoming more salient because the center left and the center right parties have converged on a neoliberal model of economic policy. When different parties no longer had different economic policies, voters focused instead of their very different cultural positions, including distinct understandings of national identity and immigration policy. So she's saying that they were kind of fed up because they were um, not getting, I guess, what they want or whatever. And um, they kind of band together on uh, on an understanding, I guess, of economics that, you know, will make that I don't know, second or third place behind, uh, you know, immigration. You know, we'll fight. We'll 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 stop fighting about the economics. We'll put, you know, the 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 immigration number one, and we'll kind of agree a little bit more on the economics and put that at number two or number three. So they kind of agree a little bit more on the economics of like this uh, particular. and I think that is happening. You know, I've read that in other articles that don't have anything to do with this. Um, I think it was, uh, well, that's actually what uh, Steve Bannon, that motherfucker, he's somebody to check out too, because he's the main one. He's the main culprit of all this shit. He's the one that said that, um, you know, he started stamping or basically like branding better yet. He started branding Trump as like the um, economic savior of um, the United States. And that's why you always hear Trump talking about money, China. You always hear him talking about Wall Street. 
You always talk. I was always talking about the stock market in China and jobs. <clears throat> He's always doing it because, and when he does it, he 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 does it in a real fast, quick. Like, yeah, we've, we're doing the best. We're you know we're bringing America back. We're you know stock market's high. You know unemployment is up, and every single time, whether it's a lie or not, he just always says it because he knows that that's the second or third policy that he has to capitalize on. But then he goes back. To the main one that gets everybody fired up, pissed off, or happy. You know, yeah, get those immigrants out of here. He goes back to the main one. It's a strategy, guys. It's a real strategy. And um, I'm actually glad that this episode is turning out the way that it does. Because, I mean, it might not be real traditional of, like, you know, the way that I've been doing it. Um, But, I don't know. This is something that needs to be talked about. Let me go on to uh, finish this one up. Uh, Liliana Mason argues that this process has been accelerated as parties came to cater a very different supporters. In the United States, Democratic supporters have become increasingly diverse and concerned about racial justice. And Republicans have become increasingly white and invested in preserving the racial status quo. You listen to that. The Republicans have become increasingly white. And they are invested in preserving the racial status quo. So if you don't believe, if you still after this, after after these truths, because these are not like things that um, I'm putting in your head. You can see them all around you. You can see them at those Trump rallies. You can see, you can hear them in his voice. This is the racial divide that that's going on. But this is the analytical thought process behind of uh, you know being a Republican. And I mean, if you're a Republican and you're not white, this is just something to think about. You know, I'm not going to try to tell you, you know, you're a dumbass. You know, I did that a little bit earlier and I kind of did it because that's my instinct. But think about whose side you're on. You know, are you playing for the right team? And why do people talk shit about you behind your back? You know what I mean? Why, did, why are you fighting with your family? You know, why does your family hate your guts? It's because they know this. <clears throat> they inherently know this. They might not be able to put it all together <coughs> like they these articles do, but they know all them. You know all them Trump supporters and Trump, what comes out of their mouth and, and how they act and the things that they say. This is America. Talk English. You know, they see the videos. They know what's up, man. Anyways, this has created openings for progressives to push racial issues. But it has also helped the Republicans by generating backlash among white majorities. Complimenting Berman's and Mason's emphasis on nationalism and immigration. Daphne Halakio Pula and Sophia Vasilopoulou argue that voters' preferences are also influenced by how they perceive the legitimacy of state institutions. Radical right parties can succeed only if they expand their support beyond a narrow base of voters with extreme anti-immigrant views. When the government state doesn't seem to deliver what citizens demand, voters with more moderate Anti-immigrant attitudes are more likely to vote for anti-establishment parties, allowing 
them to grow their support. Radical right parties have more support, but they have rarely entered government. Tim Bale's article suggests, however, that these parties can reshape political culture and policy even when they remain in the opposition focusing on the United Kingdom. Bale argues that the Brexit Party and the UK Independence Party before it set the terms of public debate and pushed the center right conservative party to engage in constitutional hardball and embrace nativist discourse. In the final contribution, Daniel Kellerman asked whether super rap or supranational institutions, in this case the European Union, could serve as a break on those radical right parties that have gained control of national governments and have begun compromising liberal democratic institutions. Recent controversies involving Hungary and Poland suggest the answer is no. Kellerman argues that the EU cannot provide the oversight because of the weakness of European parties, unconditional EU financial subsidies to permit to member states and the weakening of national opposition, opposition through intra-EU migration. So, you know, I mean, you really just got to look at a lot of what's going on, uh, you know, in Europe and how they're handling it uh, to kind of see um, a brief synopsis. Uh, what's actually going to be, um, you know, going on over here because, you know, they're just saying that, I mean, it is, it's, it's very racial. They're saying these are white people. These are Europeans. These people are saying that it is very, 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 uh, racist. Um, and that's what it's all about. Um, so, you know, if you want to go ahead and, uh, read more, uh, you know, about that, I would do so. And you can find them in those EU articles, I'm going to wrap it up with this last paragraph. The five articles suggest that liberal democracy is under strain. The economic shocks and existing cultural hostility to immigration and the strategies of the mainstream political parties are all making nationalism more salient across Europe and the United States. There is a deepening chasm between the mainstream and nationalist right approaches to immigration and the protection of Minorities At the same time, institutional safeguards are not strong enough to prevent some radical right parties from moving towards author authoritarianism if we want to prevent the erosion of liberal democracy. We have to understand what's driving the radical right, and this collection of articles will help us move in that direction. That's the end of the article, and... Um, you know, that just basically says it. Just That's just like a synopsis of everything that, you know, we already talked about. Uh, you know, they see it as, uh, uh, they see us, they see immigration, they see color um, as a threat to whiteness or democracy that's white. And um, I'm telling you right now that if you're going to have an argument, all that stuff right there is just going to become authoritarianism. Um, it's going to become like back, you know, there's a lot of jokes. There's a lot of memes. There's a lot of stuff out there like, uh, making the references towards, uh, the, uh, KKK, uh, you know, kind of calling, uh, uh, Trump Hitler. Well, this is kind of why they're doing it because I mean, this is, this is what it's boiling down to. And these are a lot of the rights that are going to be eroded from democracy by 
uh, you know, saying, hey, we're going to, you know, start tapping your phones and checking locations. If you look like you're Mexican or if you're a foreigner, or if you're an illegal or if you're a terrorist, um, you know, because we don't know, you know, if you're bringing crime and drugs because that's all you people do. You know, this is the kind of mentality that you have to be prepared for, especially if you're Chicano or especially if you're indigenous, because if your native genes are from here, whether you be Canadian, uh, you know, one of the 500 nations up there like the Eskimos or, you know, the First Nations people or, you know, the Cherokees or the Iroquois or, you know, the Potawatomis or, you know, any Eastern tribe, or, I mean, if you're anything, you know, like the, the Aztecs, the Incas, the Maya, the South Americans, you know, all the way to the bottom of South America. I mean, we have certain genes, we have certain traits, colors of our hair, our brown, our, our, our skin. Um, you know, I mean, we look a certain way and they can pick on all of us, not just one. So we have to recognize that we do have to hold together. We do got to band together that's our strength our strength is our unity and I'm about, I'm about to wrap this up um this is actually the longest episode i've ever done um it was it was a uh, it was from a night it was, it was from a, a friend um you know i haven't been putting out a lot of episodes lately uh because i noticed that me being still a new podcast um i'm getting a lot of new subscribers but the new subscribers, I'm able to more tell, uh, you know, how many um, how many uh, people are starting to listen to my podcast. If I can leave an episode out there for, you know, like a week's time, uh, because if I only leave it for two or three days, a lot of people don't listen to it. And all my new people are just basically I'm not I'm not able to count. Now I'm starting to get a better idea of like how many people I can actually, uh, you know, how many people are listening? Because I know nobody's going to listen to it twice or three times. You know what I mean? So it kind of makes sense. It's kind of cool uh, that I'm starting to see uh, those numbers grow. And um, that's why I'm leaving it out like for a week because I'm still seeing like, you know, there's not, you know, it's it's not leveling off. It's actually I can leave uh, an episode out there for actually over a week and I'll still be getting people. But I mean, I'm, I normally used to put them out like one every day or every two days, you know, I mean, I already got like a hundred episodes out. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to gauge it that way. Um, when now, um, I'm able to uh, do it in a way to where I can kind of also think about my content a little bit, um, easier. I'm not just throwing a bunch of stuff out there. I'm kind of looking at more important topics that I should hone in on more stuff that, um, it's going to be powerful as far as like what we need to be doing as a people. And um, that really is the um, that is the framework of um, this particular uh, show. But um, I think that this is a good uh, ending point. It ended up uh, actually perfect. And um, we'll go ahead and uh, bounce out to the next episode. Signing out. It's your boy Belon. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll check y'all on the rebound. Peace.